Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Will East in for the next three shows as Michael Borky is on vacation. So welcome aboard, Will. Glad to have you along for the ride. What did I miss since the last time I was here? Oh, you know, just a little of this and a little of that. We'll, we'll catch you up in uh, in short order. Uh, we're glad to have you along as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, again, streaming online at supertalk.fm. You can watch at supertalktv.com if you would like to do that as well. The ceasefire text line, as you know by now, is wide open to you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal, the best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing at noblecspire.com. Uh, hey, Dad, have a job for you. I'm doing a job right now. What do you need? <laughs> I have an additional job, although I do not think it will pay anything. Well, this one doesn't pay anything extra either, so go right ahead. Uh, okay, so our first message today on the C Spire text line is this. Hi. I'm trying to book a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force on Friday, August 14th. Would someone like an interview in the morning? I'm locked in. Let's go. I'll talk all you, about it. Okay. Uh, you can you can respond directly to that message and uh, try and figure it out. 202 area code. Is that a D.C. area code? I believe it is, yeah. I think that is D.C. You should 100% respond to that. I'm on it. Give me just a minute here. There you go. There you go. How do you think they came across the ceasefire text line to send that message? I can't wait to find out. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. we got a bunch to get to. There is a, a lot going on right now. It, it It's a different type of news, though, than it feels like we've had in recent days, right? Uh, I mean, on Monday it was, oh, my goodness, we're on the brink of disaster. What's the SEC going to do? What's the ACC going to do? What's the Big 12 going to do? On Tuesday, it was more of that, although we had a little more direction because the SEC and ACC had made up their mind, and then late on Monday night, we found out the Big 12 wanted to push forward. And yesterday felt a little more calm, but uh, today there's just a lot of news out there. What What's your feeling, hey Dad, as we've gone through this week? Has it been a roller coaster of emotions, or have you made, uh, kind of stayed steady? It has not been a roller coaster uh, in terms of, there haven't been ups and downs. I was down. So maybe it is a roller coaster. We're, we're, we're going up still, though. I was down on Monday. I was pretty sure we were going to talk about it wasn't going to happen. Uh, here it was at Thursday now. I feel pretty confident we're going to see college football in the south and southwest and I guess on the east coast uh, this, this fall. 
Will, you bring a little bit different perspective. You haven't been talking about it three hours a day for the last, <laughs> you know, five months trying to figure out what's it going to look like. I am curious from uh, the perspective of someone who is a sports fan and who stays engaged, but maybe at a different level than we do. What's your take on, on where we are? What does it feel like to you? It, it just feels like any day, any moment, the news could change. Because when we left here on Friday, I had the same feeling that you guys did. I felt like football was happening, and I went home, and I was mowing my grass, and I, people were texting me going, oh, we're going to have football. It'd be fun to play this team, whatever. And then I finished mowing my grass on Saturday afternoon, and I finally turned on Twitter, and it was like complete opposite. So I feel like that news could be right around the corner, and as a person who is dealing with the high school football stuff right now, kind of behind the yeah. scenes, you know, they're also kind of feeling the same thing because – Remember, they take a lot of their cues from what uh, college football does. And, you know, right now I feel like there's going to be a season, but there may be a news story right around the corner that we're not expecting that could change something. All right, so kind of give us from that perspective what you believe to be the latest in terms of high school football. We saw the news yesterday or the day before that uh, I think it was the South Delta School District mm-hmm. uh, was no no fall sports. We've seen that pop up with some other school districts. Uh, where I live, the Oxford School District was originally scheduled to begin school on August 10th. Uh, about five days before that, uh, three school days before that, they said, no, we're going to push it back two weeks and so are scheduled to begin a week from Monday on August 24th. We've got some districts that have started, some districts that are waiting. You've got the MAIS, you know, for the most part, all of those schools are back in session and are moving forward. It's a big old jumbled mess in a lot of different areas. Is there a general consensus of what it's going to look like now? Sort of, but I... It's the, use the word fluid a lot, you know, recently. But I think that's what's going to happen is you're going to have teams that obviously forfeit games. There's going to be teams that maybe decide at the last second that they're not going to play. But I think for the most part, you're going to have a bunch of MAIS schools playing um, on uh, uh, what is it the the 21st, uh, which is what next Friday or Friday after next, and then you're going to have um, a lot of public schools start on the fourth. But you're going to have this kind of mismatch of of some schools dropping out and some maybe deciding that they had dropped out before. Hey, we're going to come back and play uh, after a couple weeks of practice or something just to get a couple games in. I feel like you could definitely see that. I know from our perspective, the scoreboard show, we're starting on the 28th. Uh, and we have it, I guess, is the announcement of that. But we're going to start the Mississippi High School football scoreboard show our 25th year. We're starting it on the 28th. So, uh, so two weeks from tomorrow so, night. Yes. So a week so before. So I'm getting nothing. On St. Aloysius Hartfield Academy on the 21st. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. None. Incredible. Because of you. We will cover every other one. (laughs) Other than the extensive and in-depth preview that you get of uh, all St. Aloysius games right here on Sports Talk Mississippi. (laughs) I better have that. That's all I'm saying. Well, you better bring it if you want to have it then. You you can do the breaking (laughs) down. Uh, Here's an announcement that uh, it's, it's a little funny. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I do think it's worthwhile. A release from the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, Dateline of Irving, Texas, uh, Irving, Texas, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee met virtually this week in preparation for the upcoming season. Here's a quote from Gary Barda, 
And this is the, I don't know that ironic is the right word. Maybe it is. But just kind of the funny part, Gary Barta is the athletics director at the University of Iowa. Iowa plays in the Big Ten. Gary Barta is beginning his first year as chair of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. Here's his quote. We don't know right now what the season will bring, but as a committee, we are ready to use the protocol and the expertise of the 13 people who have been charged with selecting the teams. So the College Football Playoff Committee, chaired by an athletic director from a conference that is not participating in football in the fall, is all set to go forward and try and select four teams at the end of the year. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking to the, I'm talking to this person from from DC. Hold on. <laughs> Don't let me interrupt. Drop that because I think this anything. is actually real. Somebody hey, Dad, so leave in. that alone. <laughs> What's going on here? Well, you tell me you want me to do something now. Somebody else is doing it. Jesus. Yes, perhaps, perhaps in a commercial break. No, I mean, does this not grab you as like, holy cow, Gary Barta? Yeah, it, it's dumb. The athletic it, director it's, at it's, Iowa. It's it's peak NCAA related stuff, right? It's like it's just they just can't. There is no common sense in that organization whatsoever. Just, but just that's not NCAA-related. It doesn't matter, though. It, it, it stems from it. it, it there's, it there's, enough, there's enough connections. Yes, it, this is dumb. The guy is not playing football. He should have no say in who does anything with the college football playoff this year. Sorry, Gary. You can start next year. Well, in fairness... He should have plenty of time to watch all the games because he's not going to be worried about what he his institution is doing on Saturdays. An incredible amount of information at his disposal. <laughs> yes. He's yes, watched he, yeah. every play of Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma. You're saying those are the four playoff teams? <laughs> yeah, that's who I'm saying right now. I'll just kind of go out on a limb and uh, feel like uh, we'll do a repeat of two years ago. Yeah. Um as I said to you, a bunch to get to. Tom Hart will join us uh, to start the 5 o'clock hour today for the College Football Fix. He's a play-by-play announcer at ESPN. And, uh, of course, the SEC Network uh, lead play-by-play guy on the SEC Network Saturday night primetime game. We'll ask Tom what, uh, what he's hearing and what this season might look like from a broadcast standpoint, if indeed it does happen. That's coming up uh, a little bit later this afternoon. Maybe the biggest story of the day dropped uh, right out of the gate this morning. Purdue head coach Jeff Brom, who you remember turned down a boatload of money to return to his alma mater, Louisville, to stay at Purdue and is being paid a boatload of money to be the head coach at uh, Purdue, uh, has rolled out a plan, and he says anybody who is willing to give feedback, he wants to hear it, but he has rolled out a plan for what a spring football season uh, either could or should look like involving Big Ten teams. We'll get to that coming up next. Also, and, and I think maybe this is the, the second big story of the day that is actually not getting as much billing as uh, as some, a group of U.S. senators plans to introduce in Congress a college athlete's bill of rights. You know, the NCAA has said, hey, Congress, you've got to help us. This bill has been authored by nine Democrats and one independent. I'm not sure it's going to be exactly the help that the NCAA was looking for. Sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for and who you ask. Although at this point, it may be out of the control of the NCAA. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you. Thursday afternoon, Orky on vacation. We'll be right back. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. All right, again, Jeff Brom is the head football coach at Purdue. Played his college ball at Louisville, played in the NFL for a while. Got off to a really good start at Purdue. Louisville made a big-time run at him post-Bobby Petrino. And uh, instead, they ended up with Scott Satterfield. And he got a great, big, fat raise to stay at Purdue. Probably worked out well for both sides. I think Scott Satterfield is one of the ten best coaches in all of college football. Is that a crazy overstatement? The ten best? It's, it might be. Hmm. Okay, but he, but I, if you said, is he a good to great coach? I would agree with you. Yeah, that may be saying one of the ten best. Maybe an overstatement. I think we will look up three to five years from now, and he will be considered one of the ten best coaches in college football. I could agree with that statement. I think he's a really good game day coach. I think he's doing a really good job recruiting. He inherited yep. an absolute dumpster fire at Louisville, and has it trending not only toward respectability, but just in the right direction, period. And he's in a conference that is winnable. You got me working through my head trying to think of who would be the top ten. Okay. You want to take a shot at it? Saban, Sweeney. uh, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley, Dan Mullen. Um, I'll put Kirby Smart in there. Okay. Um, I'll put Harbaugh in there, even though he hasn't really done great at Michigan. Ooh. Boo. Based on what? Well, I mean, his his whole resume. And he was a big winner at Stanford. So He was. Um, and took the 49ers to a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's, it's tough to, you know. Um, okay. Ryan Day, only one year. I can't put him on that list yet. But I think he's going to be a really good coach. Yeah. Um, Tom Herman at Texas? No. Okay. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to. You ready to put Herm Edwards at Arizona State in that mix? <laughs> no. I'm trying not to be a homer, but Mike Leach is close. Um, Mario Cristobal would be, might be on that list for me. I think he's a fantastic okay. coach. Um, Malzahn sort of has to be on the list, I guess, even though I'm not a huge fan of him. I, I just think I could come up with a list of 10 that you wouldn't disagree with and we could leave Satterfield off. Okay. Mac Brown. Yeah. Might be onto something there as uh, as well. So Jeff Brom put together a proposal that outlines an eight-game season in the spring beginning February 27th and finishing April 17th with postseason play wrapping up just a hair under a month later on May 15th. He also outlines a slightly truncated fall 2021 schedule that would feature 10 games instead of 12 and would begin on October 2nd after a four-week training camp. And both plans include playoff options of four or six teams. Jeff Brom told ESPN this morning, when it got canceled, it was heartbreaking. You feel for guys that have worked their whole lives to get a chance to play football, and now they don't have that. It made me angry, and it made me want to just do something about it. That's why I put this together. He went on to say, I was able to play in the NFL years ago. When I was with the 49ers, there were numerous years where we – uh, once we started the regular season, we didn't practice in pads. So there's ways to take care of your guys. You're going to have plenty of time to get yourself ready, even during the season. 
I think you have to limit the amount of padded practices you have. I think one full padded practice is going to be reasonable. To me, taking care of the body and the collegiate athlete is the most important thing. I just wanted to prove that there are ways to get that done and still be able to allow football to be played this school year at some point. There are a lot of people, a lot of people who have said you cannot play two college football seasons in the same calendar year. Urban Meyer most recently said you can't do it. I heard an interview with, uh, or I guess it was a show that he was on, uh, Greg McElroy saying this morning that back in the, uh, the very first playoff edition, when Ohio State was playing in that championship game, he and three other people, I think from SiriusXM at the time, sat down and did kind of a one-on-one interview in Dallas with, uh, with Urban Meyer. And they said at that point it was the first time a, a college football team had played 15 games in a regular season. And Greg McElroy asked Urban Meyer what the toll had been on his player's body, and Urban Meyer's quote was, we could not play another game. We couldn't do another one. Now, maybe that's a little hyperbolic. I mean, if if game number 16 instead of game 15 had been a national championship opportunity, would they have played? Sure they would have. But the point was making was that, that, that he was making was, we had summer workouts. We started fall camp on August 1st, give or take. We started the September uh, the season on September 1st. We played 12 games in the regular season. We played a conference championship game and now we've played two playoff games. Or this is, you know, a playoff game and now the national championship game and my guys are mentally and physically beat up and we can't do it anymore. And the point that Greg McElroy made that I thought was a good one was, which football team in the Big Ten has the most depth? Ohio State. Of course it's Ohio State. They recruited a level that nobody else in the Big Ten recruits at. In fact, they recruited a level that only three or four other programs in the country recruit at. Alabama, Georgia now, maybe LSU, and Clemson. Clemson, yeah. And then Ohio State. Those are the five that recruit at that level. And if teams of that stature are physically and mentally beat up, what about the teams that don't have 85% of their roster made up of four- and five-star players? Guys that you feel comfortable putting on the field in special teams, even as a true freshman, or in package situations on the defensive side, you know, a third-down specialty package on on defense where you're getting young guys out there that's one of the things that Nick Saban has done so well that has allowed him to develop talent and have guys as sophomores and juniors absolutely ready to go that they started playing as freshmen maybe not as starters maybe not 60 or 70 snaps a game on the defensive side but 8 to 12 snaps a game and and so they've seen it and hey dad I don't know that this is drastically different than what we were talking about yesterday where You have doctors, medical professionals, scientists who have spent their entire life studying a specific subject. Maybe the same subject, but in different places, and they look at situations differently. A, a, A doctor from Duke yesterday said, we think it's okay to go forward. A doctor from UCLA yesterday said, there's absolutely no way you can go forward. They both, they, they're both epidemiologists. They're both disease experts and yet they look at the exact same thing differently. You have Urban Meyer, a national championship-winning coach at multiple schools, saying 
you can't go more than we're going right now in college football. And you got Jeff Brom going, yeah, I really think there's a way you can do it. Jim McElwain on an interview today, he's the head coach now at Western Michigan, former head coach at Florida, said, yeah, I think there's a way you can do it. You can't play two full seasons, but you can play shorter seasons. And this is sort of the uh, the other side of, you know, people talk about things being politically motivated here in, in SEC country. The doctors are they're saying this because they want to play. Well, I think coaches and guys up, up that are, are going to say, oh, yeah, you can definitely play two seasons because that's what they want to do. So, I mean, who, who are we taking at face value in all this? I don't know. I just know that trying to convince me, I think you can convince me that it's a lot safer to play football now in the fall than it is to play 20 games plus in a calendar year. The uh, the, the structure that Jeff Brom has laid out, eight games in the spring of 2021, starting on February 27th, ending on April 17th, and then 10 games in the fall, starting October 2nd and ending Saturday, December 11th. He says a two-week training camp buildup, six weeks prior to the first game, 16-hour weeks, and then on that, that's starting on January 16th. And then on January 30th, you go into a four-week training camp with two mandatory days off and a maximum of two practices in full pads per week. The games begin on the 27th, an eight-game season with no bye week, and then there's two weeks of prep before the postseason begins. He says Saturday, May 1st through Saturday, May 15th, Plan A and Plan B. Plan B is a six-team playoff. And, you know, goodness. Power Five Conference. By the way, this scenario that he has put together is based on everybody playing in the spring, not just the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Yeah, I read read that part about how playing some teams down in the South. Well, I mean... Good luck with that. A lot going on there. A lot going on there. And then looking forward to the fall 2021 season, he says in season only one padded practice allowed per week. Following the fall season, no traditional spring practice for calendar year 2022. A lot of ideas being thrown out. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight Eight Zero Eight Eight Six Three Seven on Super Talk Mississippi.
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross and Brian Haydad will east in for Michael Borky. More from this uh, deal with uh, with Brom. He kind of lay it's a pretty detailed plan, and you can find it you know, pretty much anywhere on Twitter or ESPN if you want to go through it all yourself. Um, Brom examined the number of games over a normal two-season span and compared it with his proposal. Teams not playing bowl games currently average 1.6 games per month, 24 games in 15 months. Under Brom's plan, those teams would average 1.8 games or 18 games over a 10-month span. Teams that reach the national championship game would increase from 1.875 games per month to two games per month in his proposal. So that's, you know, some minutia there. He does say this. This isn't a perfect plan, but it will prove that it can be done if people are willing to make sacrifices. I wish we all could have been in conjunction as Power 5 conferences and done what was best for all, whether it was continue to play or back the season up or cancel. In fact, it's just a few of us right now We have to find a way to make this work. It's important we all put our thoughts together and do what's best for college football and our student-athletes. I've been working on it nonstop. It just got fully done early this morning. I'm going to share it with anybody who wants to look at it. Here's my big, the biggest question I have in this whole thing. Uh, How many many games is he saying they want to play in the fall? Ten next fall. Ten. Okay. Eight this spring and ten in the fall. And let's just assume that everything goes off without a hitch up here, down here in, in SEC country and we play these ten-game schedules. And then next next fall, we're we're back and running 12 games. We're, everything is completely back to normal for us down here. How on earth can you let a ten-game playing Ohio State team into the college football playoff when everybody else is playing 12? feels like it's just a waste of time at that point. If everybody else is back to normal and they're going to play 10 because they have to play 8 this spring, it feels like you're just taking yourself out of out of playoff contention right at the right off the start to me. Yeah, I'm sure that the Big 10 and Ohio State and other teams that if they were to do this would request that they be graded on a curve. But the question is why should we grade them on a curve? All right. You could have just played this fall like the SEC, the ACC, and the uh, Big 12 is doing. I'm not a huge Clay Travis fan, by the way. Uh, not, not, a, not a huge fan of his. But if this is accurate, that the, they're canceling sports, but they're going to allow intramural mural sports to play huh? at, the big, at the Big 10 schools, that is a really bad look. That really does go to the, the, the theory, conspiracy theory, or whatever you want to call it, that they canceled more because their athletes were organizing than anything else. There is, there is very much a talking out of both sides of your mouth thing that's happening. And it's happening at a bunch of different levels, right? I mean, it's happening at the presidential level, if what you're saying is true, what Clay Travis is saying is true, where they're going you know, to have students back. Most of it's going to be virtual learning, uh, but you're going to have, you know, Greek-like life activities, you're going to have intramural sports, you're going to have some in-person classes. 
you're going to have interaction among students. Yes. It's just going to happen. Is there any way that the testing protocols are going to remain the same for college football players that are not actually playing college football? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I would, I would, if if player safety is indeed the issue, wouldn't wouldn't it make sense to keep your protocols exactly the same? All right, so let's say through? the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve play, and they are testing their football players three times a week. We're not led to believe that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to keep testing their players three times a week, are they? I don't know if the Pac-12 can afford to keep the lights on right now. See, Stanford, is they've shut down campus to everyone, basically. They're going full virtual, from what I can tell. Virtual on everything but their uh, tuition? Well, yeah. Won't be anything <laughs> virtual about that. It'll be virtually expensive. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I saw something today that basically there's not going to be anything in person on the Stanford campus this fall. Uh, Michael says, what's wrong with everybody playing a 10-game regular season when and if things get back to normal? Because the schools that want to play 12, they want that revenue. That's For the most part, that's going to be two non-conference home games that you know, you're going to get ticket revenue that you can, that you can spend. Nobody wants to. And, nobody and, wants to. Nobody want. If if they could play twelve games this year, they would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as it stands right now, it feels that like the direction we're headed is SEC, ACC, Big Twelve are going to play, mm-hmm. and they're going to play with a significantly reduced stadium capacity. You have some mm-hmm. who are going to play in empty stadiums. That's just just reality. Not everybody's going to do this. But Especially you got a bunch. The first, the first month or so, I would be surprised if almost everybody's not empty. Oh, uh, I disagree. You do? I think if we play football on September 26th, the Mississippi State or Ole Miss have a home game, mm-hmm. it will be at 25% capacity. Okay. I, I really do. That's what Oklahoma announced they were going to try and do yesterday. Texas has spent a lot of time modeling what DKR is going to look like in terms of capacity. That's the thing. So much work has gone into this, and I know you had to do the work to prepare for whatever case turns out to be, but if your local or state guidelines allow some percentage of capacity and you're playing ball, then you're going to get what you can because everybody's taking a haircut big time this year. In the revenue department. And, and and it's really like in every conceivable area where you make revenue, you're going to make less. That's true. Everyone. You're not going to be able to completely fulfill the football of the TV contract. And so that piece of revenue is probably going to be a little bit less. Your radio sponsorship deal, probably you're going to have to negotiate Less, because they're not going to be able to sell as many sponsorships because businesses are hurting. Your ticket revenue is going to be down. Your premium seat revenue is going to be down. Your concession revenue is going to be down. As part of that, if you sell beer at your stadium, your beer sales, alcohol sales revenue is going to be down. You don't know that one. There may be a lot of drinking. That's possible. But I don't think that every person there is going to drink 4X to make up for 
you know, all, all the people that aren't there. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Never met Maybe my family. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. If Will well. goes to the games, yeah. Fair enough. Um, Ceasefire text line says 25% capacity equals four times the ticket price, four times the concession price. Oh, that won't happen. That, yeah, I don't think schools are going to do that. They're not going to char- start charging 100 well, I mean, I don't know what it is at, uh, in Oxford, but they're not going to start charging like $200 to go to a game. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a $300 ticket, right? An SEC game ticket's like 75 bucks a pop, so you're yeah, going to pay like $300 a ticket? That's not going to And they're not going to have $50 nachos and you know, <laughs> $40 Coca-Cola. Those better be some good nachos, man. They better be really good nachos. Really good nachos. You, you have all this money that is going out in terms of testing, and in terms of contingency planning and all that you're going to have to do, I mean, you're, you're spending money in areas that you wouldn't have had to spend money in the past, and you have less revenue coming in. Everybody's going to take a, ter- a haircut. Brian says, what about very little visitors fans, so more home fans? Yeah, but, well, I mean, still the yesterday. total number's 25%. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. They're expecting, I guess, you 500. somebody at Ole Miss, 500 away, game, away fans. Yeah. I mean, that's fine, but that's still a percentage of what there would normally be. You know, I don't know how many Ole Miss gives out. I don't know how many state gets out. My guess is it's close to 5,000. Yeah, I think you add a zero. I think it's 5,000, give or take. So, yeah, so those those fans will be out as much as the home fans will be out. So, C-Spire text line, 5,000 people attended the uh, 5,000 people attended the MLS game last night in Dallas. Saw that. Saw that. That wasn't the big story out of that game. but What was the big story? Uh, that when the players kneel for the national anthem, there was sort of a mini riot. <laughs> In the stands? Stuff. Yeah, people started throwing stuff on the field and booing them and everything else. It's hard for me to advocate uh, people throwing stuff in the fans, uh, from the stands at the players on the field. Mm-hmm. But I kind of appreciate that there's a little bit of a revolt on this. I don't mind the booing, but throwing stuff on the field is unacceptable. You know, it's the same thing. You're allowed to express your opinion. If you want to boo, boo. If you want to kneel, kneel. I don't care. But when you start throwing stuff on the field, that's not good. Yeah. Mike asks if the Big Ten Pac-12 shut down basketball and the other fall sports also. The, the Pac-12, Pac-12 has shut no down everything yeah. until yeah. January 1st of next year. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Any idea on plans for tailgating scenarios in Oxford and Starkville should the schools allow stadium attendance? That's from Lewis in Greenwood. Or maybe it's Louie in Greenwood. I haven't heard anything official on that. It feels like that's going to sort of be like an all-or-nothing kind of prep- proposition, doesn't it? Like they're either going to allow it and figure it out, or they're not going to have any kind of tailgating whatsoever. And I would lean toward nothing right now. Yeah, that's, that's the... Um, that's what I would agree. That's what I would lean as well. 
Um, do you potentially say these are the rules? You've got to self police and maybe kind of grid off the junction in the grove and give people a chance to not be morons about it with the clear understanding that if this doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen, it won't happen again? I mean, you can you can take that chance. Um, I, I mean, I'm just trying to picture that in my head. Like, you're telling people that you can't, you got to have, you know, distance between each tent. So, you know, who do you, how do you decide? This isn't, you know, premium seating, right? There, nobody's paying to be in these places. So it's just going to be first come, first serve. And, I mean, you're just going to have a ton of upset people. I, we've tailgated this spot for however many, especially in the Grove, for however many years. Um, and then it turns into, you know, you can only have how many people at your tailgate. You know, if you, how do you, how do you, you know, people come in and out. I don't, I don't know how you make it work. I, I really don't. Yeah, I don't know. And and what about when people start making their way to the stadium? I mean, how are you going to enforce people staying six feet apart right. on that walk yeah. from the junction to the stadium, on that walk from the grove to the stadium? And again, it's, it's by the way, one place. casualty of this, I, mm-hmm. I, I think without question, is there will be no walk of champions. Oh, there will be, be no yeah. dog walk, no yeah, tiger yeah, walk. Can't, can't see that happening. Which is going to be interesting because how are they going to go to the stadium? I mean, at, at, at Oxford, I'm trying to picture of all him. I feel like you can drive the bus on up there. I don't know that you, you can't really do that in Starkville. There's no place to drive, you know, that's not blocked off or, or difficult to get to. I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. Well, you won't have as many people on campus, so maybe it's a little I, I bit mean, easier. I guess if there's no tailgating, don't you just, you could just, you, if there's no tailgating, you just drop them off where you normally do, and they walk through an empty junction. Either that or is there not a way to get the bus to the opposite end of the stadium? Because isn't Mississippi State's locker room now on the opposite end of the stadium? Was it the it north end where they did all the renovation is, and bolted they, in? They, they've always they, – it's, it's sort of odd, in fact, that, that they come in from – I guess that's the north – no, that's the south end and walk to the north end zone. The other, the opposing team always comes in the south and walks to the north, or however you want to – I can't keep up with the directions here. Yeah. But, it, yeah, so – do you let them both come in the same way? I guess that might have to be the way you do it and just sort of stagger it so you're not you know, unloading two teams at the same time. Interesting thought here. Vald Navy at UT is the only practical approach. Hey, by the way, time out real quick. Somebody just said, just tuned in, no tailgating. No, we're not saying no tailgating. We're not saying that. No, no, no. no. That decision has not been made. There was a question that was um, – Asked about whether we knew anything about tailgating, and we're just speculating, just wild speculation. That's all this is, just a conversation topic. Although, hey, Dad, to your point on you know what do you do with Mississippi State? You schedule where the two teams arrive at different times, and yeah. you go police escorts, and you just roll them wherever you need to roll them and drop them off. Right. Yeah, but you do that's all there is to it. Normally, it's two hours before the game. Everybody is getting in there. You're gonna have to tell somebody. You're coming in two and a half hours. I guess you'd tell the visitors that, you know, but I don't know. Sure. I mean, you, you get here two hours and 20 minutes before kickoff, and the home team will arrive two hours and 10 minutes before kickoff. Hey, yeah, right. Easy enough. Whatever. Uh, Mike says in Oxford they'll just drop the team off at the uh, practice facility. That ma- yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, a- Absolutely. Absolutely what they'll do. Now, here's an interesting question. 
will the teams stay in hotels off campus the night before games? That's a, that's a good question because, you know, they do that. So, I mean, you don't want to – I think they will because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're not sure where somebody is the night before the game. You want to you be able to have that control. So, yeah, I think they will. Jason says, no tailgating, nobody, uh, nobody wants to be the subject of a Dr. Dobbs and Governor Reeves what not to do in the middle of a pandemic lecture. Something like that. I'm just waiting for the first student to... Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Will East is spinning the records today and punching all the buttons and doing all the other stuff that good producers do in the absence of Michael Borky, as he is, I guess, probably got his toes in the sand in the beach somewhere. Are we taking bets on how he gets injured while he's gone? <laughs> I was about to say, is he going to put his boot in the sand too? <laughs> does, he, does he sprain a toe? What does he do? Mm. I didn't even think about that. Is he doing crutches at the beach? (laughs) Has he been using crutches around the office? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. What a pansy. I'm just picturing him going down the boardwalk. His wife is is holding a small child, and he's on a rascal. (laughs) Is that the little three-wheel scooter thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Costanza drove. He's he's telling his wife that's holding the kid to slow down. I got to catch up. They go to the shop, he breaks out the grabby stick. Uh, you have to put special beach tires on it, like the big oversized <laughs> plastic tires to roll along on the beach? I, you know, I didn't watch a whole lot of Baywatch, maybe whatever they use on their vehicles there. Well, I mean, the, the um, that kind of Florida panhandle beach area, the, you, you have to go down like an elevated sidewalk that's wooden, and yeah. then you go downstairs to get to the beach level. He's going to be able to navigate the stairs. Don't don't have the uh, don't have access. Suing. Mm. Oh well, most of them do have like a like a, a snake landing. Yeah, they got the type ramp. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Snake landing is not the way to describe it. You know it's what I mean? Where they go back landing. and forth gradually. You know, ramp? curves like is a snake back and forth. Yeah, ramp. Yeah, I know what ramp, you that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Can't you see him, like, trying to drag a cooler along behind him, <laughs> limping along on a crutch? It's on the rascal. It just... man, he, he goes off on people on airplanes when they bump into him. He's going to be that guy, you know, he's dragging stuff along, somebody's going to be <laughs> in his way, and he's going he's gonna to lose his mind on somebody on the beach when he's supposed to be relaxing. Somebody kicks a little sand in his face. If I could get up, take you out, buddy. <laughs> if, if. I guess he won't be able to take any long runs on the beach either. No, no. Oh, no. me. Hope Michael Borky enjoys his vacation. Hey, you know one thing he can do? 
The Red Bar reopened. Oh, did it? That's good news. Yes. Middle of I've July, never been Red there, Bar but I have a lot of friends that are big in oh, Lit Place. so good. Will, you ever been to Red Bar? I have never been to Red Bar. Grayton Beach? I've mm. been to Grayton Beach, but I haven't been to the Red Bar. Nope. Why would you have gone to Grayton Beach and not go, gone to the Red Bar? Like, what, what business would you have had in Grayton Beach? I got a friend that has a condo there. Awesome. What a great spot. Yeah. And a buddy of mine is the uh, owner of but, the but hold Grayton, on a second, hold on a second. Or Grayton Brewing Company. But you went to Grayton Beach but couldn't find the time to eat at Red Bar? My wife doesn't like seafood, so the Red Bar was not really high on our list. That's an issue if you go on a beach vacation and can't eat seafood anywhere, isn't it? Buddy, you are preaching to the biggest. <laughs> you're preaching to the Tabernacle Choir at the Salt Lake City Church of Mormon. What are you we went doing? to New Orleans last year, man. The amount of research I had to do. You, you ask why I'm a planner? Well, now you know. Just doesn't like it or like has a reaction to it? Well, she is allergic to shellfish, and then she just uh-huh. doesn't like fish fish. So. so what do you guys, do you just like go to the grocery store and buy PBJ when you get to the No, beach? we find restaurants where she can get a steak or, you know, any some Hello, seafood restaurant waitress. Uh, what do you have in the chicken department? Exactly. <laughs> Hey, let's go to Harbor Docks. I mean, almost, almost every good restaurant has options That's true. for both. But That's true. I think but when it, we yeah, go to Harbor we, Docks, yeah. my daughter gets a filet. So. Yeah. So, you know, it's not that big a deal. But that said, the Red Bar. You know what's yeah. funny? So, so so I've said for the for the last two years, instead of going to the beach in the summer, we have gone uh, we've gone west. We've gone to the mountains for uh, a vacation and absolutely have fallen in love with it. And I have said on numerous occasions, I would be okay with not ever going to the beach in the summer again. I love the beach. But I think it's better in, like, you know, April, May, or late September, early October. Not as crowded, not as hot, still can enjoy everything. But as we sit here talking about the restaurant options in kind of the greater Fort Walton to Panama City stretch, I mean, basically the 30A stretch of... Uh, the the Florida Panhandle. Mm-hmm. I might be reevaluating my thoughts. <laughs> Let's just want to get away. It's not. It's not even. You know, we could be going anywhere almost. You know, and I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Just just to get out of Mississippi for for a minute. Whew. Mike in Oxford send us some uh, awfully nice looking shrimp on the grill. Hey, Dad's wife not interested. The rest of us probably are. Would, would eat them all. Could eat yeah. triple that amount. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. If you want to be part of the conversation, that's the best way to do it. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a Ceasefire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how Ceasefire can power your success today at ceasefire.com slash business. So let's jump into this story. College Athletes Bill of Rights as proposed by Congress. Story from Sports Illustrated earlier today that was written by, of course, Ross Dellinger, because he writes everything these days. He's got a bunch of balls in the air. Doing a nice job juggling. A group of U.S. Senators plans to introduce in Congress, quote, a College Athletes Bill of Rights, close quote, seeking to guarantee NCAA players monetary compensation, long-term health care, lifetime educational scholarships, 
and more eligibility freedoms. I am quite certain that when the esteemed President Mark Emmert of the National Collegiate Athletic Association was lobbying members of Congress for help with a uniform national name, image, and likeness bill, he did not intend for members of Congress to put together a bill guaranteeing monetary compensation, long-term health care, lifetime educational scholarships, and more eligibility freedoms. Not what he had in mind. Why would, why would you trust the federal government to do anything? Like, why? Why I'm just, would you do oh, that? Okay, let, 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 let me go a different route just for a second. Without even getting into the rest of the story, just the headline right there, the the lead paragraph. Mm. You know I'm not a Mark Emmert fan. I think he's a buffoon who's not good at his job. That aside, everything that he has done prior to this, set it all aside and just give him a, you know, a passing B minus C plus for it. We know he's not great at it, but he's whatever. It's until this year, they've given schools a bunch of money. If I were a university president and I read the first paragraph of that story, I would be calling my fellow presidents and saying he needs to be terminated today. Today. You know why? Because we all, even though people think it's sarcastic and cynical and whatever, we, as university presidents, actually genuinely believe in the student-athlete model. We believe in the importance of education and athletics operating in conjunction. Don't you believe that Mark Keenum believes in that model? He does. I, I, you know, I, I may be a bit naive, but he does. he does believe in it. And I would say that most university presidents believe in that model, that education is first and is important, and athletics, maybe not on equal footing, but is incredibly athletic. Mark Emmert, because of the NCAA's bullheadedness and unwillingness to engage and come up with a reasonable plan, they'd rather fight in court every single step of the way to the point that individual states are creating name and image and likeness bills so that Mark Emmert had to sashay his white head to Washington, D.C. and say, Congress, help me! The states are going to mess it all up! we got to get together and have a good uniform thing for everybody. Because of his inability to lead his organization, he has now asked Congress to do his job. You better believe we'll do your job. It's going to be uniform. Everybody's going to get money. Can't wait. But the reason that presidents should band together and fire him yesterday is because he single-handedly blew up the existing NCAA model. It's done. Dead. What a shame. Because the president of the NCAA went to Congress and said help, but he did not have the foresight to see what he was asking for.
sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Sorry, I got uh, sidetracked on making progress through that story because of discussing the white-headed buffoonery of president of the NCAA. You liked that, didn't you? Kind of got you chuckling. I'm all for buffoonery and shenanigans of all sorts. So, the sweeping proposal comes during a year in which college leaders are pleading for help from lawmakers to craft NCAA-friendly legislation on name, image, and likeness, wanting a federal bill to preempt a bevy of differing NIL state laws. In response to the NCAA's request, some congressional members have demands of their own. They want reform to the NCAA beyond name, image, and likeness. Senator Cory Booker, Democrat from New Jersey, For them to get the cooperation from us, they're going to have to change some of their practices. The NCAA feels urgency and needs to get federal cooperation. I'm going to make sure that we are also able to change NCAA practices that undermine the student's education, well-being, and basic First Amendment rights. Mm -hmm. See the can of worms you opened there, President Emmert? That's not even a can of worms. That's like a can of Godzilla's. Ten senators, bad. nine Democrats and one independent. And by the way, I'm not really trying to paint this as a partisan issue one way or the other. But just as a matter of practice, Democrats are going to side on workers' rights issues. Democrats support unions. What's that? Workers? Workers. They're going to approach it that way. Democrats are going to be for more and more and more and more from a player standpoint. On the other side of the aisle, Lindsey Graham just learned that there's illegal recruiting last week. Mm-hmm. The only hope that... Well, let me hold that thought. Ten senators, nine Democrats and one independent, jointly announced the bill's framework on Thursday morning. Booker, a former college football player at Stanford intends for the Bill of Rights to be rolled into federal NIL legislation already in the works in both chambers. He suggests that some congressional support for name, image, and likeness may hinge on the support for the Bill of Rights proposal, which as of now does not include Republican backing. As I was saying, the way the Senate works, the NCAA has come asking for significant authorities with NIL. We are a body that works... They are not going to get something done if it's not bipartisan. That is from Cory Booker. There are significant players that are joining Cory Booker as sponsors of the bill. Former presidential candidates Bernie Sanders, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, who, by the way, is the now vice presidential nominee to go along with is Joe that Biden. How you pronounce her name? I think it is Kamala, not Kamala. Okay. 
Will? Ask Tucker Carlson. He had a whole deal with that last night. <laughs> Which way did he go? Wrong, so I don't know. He went with uh, arguing whoever corrected him. That's the direction that he went. All right, now, now I'm going to have to find out. Oh, it's, it was hilarious. <clears throat> the bill will be introduced in the coming months and is, and is intended to advance justice and opportunity. For college athletes, according to the joint statement. Several key areas that the uh, legislation addresses, most notably athlete compensation. Here they are. The proposal expands on the ways in which a college player can earn money, expanding well beyond NIL. Athletes would be allowed to enter group licensing deals, such as apparel clothing lines or the NCAA video game, and they could enter revenue-sharing agreements with athletic associations, conferences, and their own schools. The NCAA and Power Five, strongly opposed to such freedoms, have restricted athletes from all of the above in its NIL proposal drafts. Number two, the legislation calls for banning all restrictions and penalties attached to athletes' school choice, from originally signing with a program to transferring among them. This could create what many college coaches and administrators would describe as free agency. Under current rules, players are bound to a school by signing a national letter of intent, and they must miss a year of eligibility when transferring to another program within the FBS. However, transfer rule is expected to be amended to allow players to transfer once without penalty. Number three, this Bill of Rights would create an oversight panel to give athletes representation. The commission, led by current and former college athletes, policy experts, academics, and administration officials, would quote, level the playing field by establishing baseline rules that govern college, uh, govern college sports. Number four, the proposal also provides athletes with lifetime scholarships. Lifetime scholarships <laughs> to return to campus post-eligibility to complete their education, enforces evidence-based health standards, to keep players safe amid COVID-19 pandemic and increases financial assistance for athletes suffering from long-term injury or virus-related health issues. Under current regulations, Power 5 programs are required to care for athletes' medical woes at least two years after they leave the university. And, in case you needed one more, in a final requirement, the Bill of Rights seeks to hold schools more accountable of their internal finances, requiring each to provide a detailed annual public reporting of their revenue and expenses. Oh, College athletics departments are notoriously secretive and often lack transparency. Each school does provide a detailed financial document to the NCAA annually that is available through public records requests. The legislation would demand schools report on athlete activity, specifically their hours spent on workouts, film study, travel, etc. If you had gone to all the NCAA presidents and said, write down everything you don't want to see in this <laughs> bill, this would have been the list. And yet, this is the bill. Mr. President, we have this thing called... the opposite uh, of what we wanted. We have this thing called Pandora's Box. Would you like to open it, please? Oh, my gosh. You may all of a sudden have a bunch of university presidents campaigning for right-leaning congressmen, <laughs> women, and senators. 
Oof. I mean, that is brutal. That is everything college athletics does not want. The players want it, but the, the those in power do not. Oh, okay. So a moment ago, you might have thought that I was being a bit hyperbolic when I said that Mark Emmert, through his inability to lead and recognize the landscape in college athletics, that it was changing and to change with the times instead to just be dead set, digging your heels, we'll fight it all in court, you know, damn the torpedoes, has single-handedly blown up the existing NCAA model. Doesn't seem quite as hyperbolic now, does it? No, it's got to be passed. And it's not going to get bipartisan support. So, so okay, okay, all right. So, so stick with me for a second. Stick with me for a second. Well, Richard, you just said it's not going to get passed. Right, it's not. We'll pass in the Senate. House can pass it with a majority because there's a Democrat majority in the House. Senate's not going to pass it. Too left-leaning. They're not going to. As for now, there's a Republican majority in the Senate. Yeah. So what do you have? You have a non-starter. You don't have a bill. Okay, well, good. What does that mean? That means these state bills that are being enacted in Florida and in California and in New York and in other places are going to go into effect. But what's the issue with that, Richard? The issue with that is we're now not all playing by the same set of rules. Insert your joke about we've never played by the same set of rules within the NCAA confines. Feel free. But now it's codified. That it is legitimately a different set of rules. That the state of Florida, the state of California, in theory, will have an advantage recruiting athletes because they are allowed to offer more. That said, you would expect almost every state where their college football is taken seriously to have a similar bill passed soon, I would think. Wait, so red state Mississippi, red state Tennessee, red state Alabama. Didn't you say Florida a second ago? Red state Arkansas. Eh, Florida's right there hanging in the balance, man. I mean, if they want to keep getting college football players, you don't think that Saban and, and Malzahn will, will crusade for this? Leach and Kiffin here in the state? Like, we've got they to They may this crusade for it, but not everything they crusade for is going to get shoved through just to well, level the playing field in college football. They're, they're one for one right this second on lobby. Yeah, I, I understand. A little bit different deal here. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. to me 
that if you go to the front page of ESPN.com, you, you can't find the story that we've been talking about. I know COVID is dominating in everything and the return to play. And I mean, we've obviously got to have a story on the front page of ESPN.com about Zion trying to get his body where it needs to be in the offseason. And I don't know that there's a bigger story out there. Now, Sports Illustrator, Ross Dellinger, broke the, uh, or wrote that story this morning. I mentioned that earlier. I don't know if that you go to the college. The problem too. Well, maybe so. I'm, just, I'm looking to see if you even, if you click on the college football tab. If you scroll down, there's what appears to be an opinion piece from Bill Connolly about Emmert, but I don't think it's about this particular situation. Um... No. There, it's not there. No. This story is massive. This is the story that reshapes college athletics. Do you agree? I don't see how it doesn't, you know, one way or the other. Wow. Well, I mean, if you're a conspiracy theory kind of person, this would fit you real good. That they're all they're focused on is this the virus and not this otherwise massive story. <sighs> ten questions, ten minutes, ten years of impact. Your response to the 2020 census is critical to ensure federal dollars to Mississippi for roads, schools, and health care. In the last census, over 265,000 Mississippians did not get counted. If we make that mistake again, that leaves over 13 billion, with a B, billion dollars on the table. Also known as 6% of Jeff Bezos' net worth. Make an impact in your community today by responding (laughs) online, by phone, or by mail. You can visit mscensus.com. CENSUS2020.org to learn more. It literally takes 10 minutes to fill out your census form. Hey, Dad, have you filled out a census form? No. Please do. It will benefit your local area and the state of Mississippi, and it takes 10 minutes. And you sit around doing nothing all the time. (laughs) That's doing something by doing nothing. It really is simple, and it's easy. I was convinced, Will, that we had not done it because I kept getting, like, text messages and emails. you got to fill out your census form. Uh, you know, the, the, the district in which Lafayette County resides is, you know, last in terms of the number of – and I said, didn't we do this, like, months ago? And Jay said, yeah, we did it. So started ignoring all those messages. My wife told me if I keep gaining weight, I'll count myself twice. Hey, buddy. Did that, uh, that was, was that the impetus for you to slim down? Yes, that that wasn't very nice of her. But, you know, it's twenty twenty. I thought we were past those kind of things. <laughs> Body shaming. I'm gonna cancel your wife. You you talk about that all the time. Hmm? I can do that. Why? Because I am in this shape, and I'm not. Yeah, well, I mean, you're 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 you know you're on the periphery. 
<laughs> Have you lost weight, Will? No. Are you going Will to? No. Just, <laughs> we're just waiting on our trip. What, what was that place we went to with the platter of meat? We're going back there. Right, we went we to uh, uh, Yaya's, the, the Yaya's, great place. Yeah. yeah. As soon as JT can go with us, we're going back. Good grief. My aorta still hurts from that. <laughs> I had the meat sweats for three days after that, <laughs> after that trip. Jeez. So fill Whoa. out the census form. I don't care if you lose weight or not, but fill out the census form <laughs> so Mississippi can get more money from the federal government. It's a good thing. Fewer potholes in Jackson, hey, Dad. I don't know part of the local ambiance. No, that's not good for your ride either when you go through there and you pop a pothole. That's true. We want to keep the the, uh, one the red rocket this going and going. So, this past week they fixed the worst one, the worst pothole in Starkville. So, I was very pleased to see that today. Tom Hart from ESPN will join us about twenty minutes from right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We've got uh, NBA going on today. Big game in the bubble. Big game. And with 4.46 to go in the third, Memphis leads at 84-67 over the Giannisless Bucks. He got suspended for headbutting a dude. Yeah, I saw that. Only chance Memphis has to stay alive in the uh, the race for a playoff spot is to win. They got to win. The and they lead it. Uh, a complete tap-out game today. They were just like, ah, we're here. They played LeBron, though. I didn't quite understand that, but whatever. Wizards beat Boston by six. Dallas and Phoenix are playing right now. Phoenix making a bid to go 8-0 and in the bubble. They lead by 20 over Dallas with nine and a half minutes to go in the third. Sacramento beat the Lakers 136-122. to Tonight, Portland plays Brooklyn. If you're a Grizzlies fan, you are cheering for the Nets. San Antonio plays Utah. If you're a Grizzlies fan, you are cheering for Utah. And the Pelicans play Orlando in a game that does not matter. At all. Pelicans are out, and Orlando is in. Talked about this. The uh, Eastern Conference playoff is set. Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, Sixers, Nets, and Magic. It is not set in the West. Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Thunder, Rockets, Jazz, Mavericks. Currently, Portland occupies eighth. Memphis occupies ninth. Tied with Phoenix. Both of them are 33 and 39. San Antonio is uh, 32 and 38. What if they end... Let's see, so if Portland plays tonight and they win, they lock up the eight spot and either Memphis or Phoenix would have to beat them twice. So what if both Mem- would Memphis and Phoenix, if they finish with the same record, have to play each other to determine who gets to play Portland twice, or has Good to beat question. Portland twice? I don't I don't know the answer to that, but yeah, it makes sense, right? Unless there's some sort of a tiebreaker that yeah, there's, puts... there's probably a tiebreaker we're not familiar with, but I don't know. And then on the flip side, if Portland loses tonight and Memphis wins, they would slide into the eighth spot, and then Portland would have to beat them twice. So that'd be great. That's what you want, right? You you want Grizzlies 
in that spot, not yes. the Portland Trailblazers. I want anybody but Portland. I'd rather play the Clippers in the first round than Portland. I just got a feeling about that. Yankees uh, got a couple of games from the Braves in a midweek series. Baltimore and Philly playing right now scoreless. Tampa Bay leading it over Boston in the third. Pittsburgh leading it over Cincinnati 8 nothing in the top of the second and still batting with just one out. Mets beat the Nationals earlier today 8-2. to The plan for St. Louis, if no more games are postponed because of a positive COVID test, or maybe I should say if there are no more positive COVID tests, then the plan is for St. Louis to return to the Diamond on Saturday. This weekend, they have played five games this year. You have other teams that have now notched 20 games and are a third of the way through the season. The St. Louis Cardinals have played five games. Milwaukee is at the Cubs tonight. Say what now? Their fans were the best for those five games. Best in baseball. So they say. You don't want to hear. They'll it. tell you about it. They're like they're like a CrossFitter or a vegan. They'll tell you about it. Uh, so Brewers, Cubs tonight. Padres, Dodgers tonight. Most of uh, the baseball action today is afternoon baseball action. So that's what's happening in the NBA and Major League Baseball. Just surprised we haven't talked about the big story of the day. In my opinion, the Seahawks think. Uh, tell me more. Uh, one of their players got cut because he tried to sneak a girl in disguised as a player. Had her just decked out in Seahawks gear and hoped nobody would notice it. But they got that on camera, so he got cut today. Who was it? Oh, I, some rookie. I don't. I don't. don't I say, please don't tell me it was DK Metcalf. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nobody of any of any consequence. Hey, and how about this from Pete Thamel? Spoke to an FBS coach at a program that's postponed who had a high-level senior approach him about transferring to a school that's playing this fall. Coach called around, and seven or eight teams said they didn't have any room. Coach told Pete Thamel, it's not like 100 kids are going to go to those three leagues. So there you go. Sports Talk Mississippi will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour after this. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. triple-double watch for the Memphis Grizzlies. The uh, the big foreign guy, Valenciunas, in 24 minutes, 18 points, 12 rebounds, and 9 assists. And Ja Morant has 12 points, 12 rebounds, and 7 assists. And that's with an entire quarter to play. You could have two guys on the Grizzlies 
with a triple double in this game as well. Possibly I might mess around and get one. Maybe so. We will uh, see. Brett McMurphy says NCAA President Mark Emmert is quoted as saying, "We cannot at this point have fall NCAA championships." Close quote. McMurphy points out that this does not impact FBS football. Also, other fall sports may compete in regular season competitions, but without the chance to win a national title. Tim Brando agrees with me, by the way. He says, Mark continues to kick the can down the street. Zero leadership. Down the street, down the road, whatever works. Kicking the can. The can has been kicked. Let somebody else make a decision. This is that moment. Everybody has a moment like this in their life where they realize, we're screwed, but I'm going to try to put off that final moment of, of it being over until I possibly can. He knows it's over. He's just hopeful that he can somehow get out of this with a nice parachute of a settlement package, something. Ross Dellinger points out, he says, reminding you of a story from a couple of weeks ago where Power 5 leaders were exploring holding their own fall championships if the NCAA canned them. It feels more and okay. I mean, we've kicked around the idea. Hey, Dad, you know, is is this this moment in history the moment that we will look to as the time when the NCAA ceased to exist, or at least the time when the Power Five chose to break away? Mark Emmert being responsible for single-handedly blowing up the student-athlete model as it exists right now might be the tipping point. We never thought it was going to come from within, did we? We didn't think the NCAA would implode upon itself the way it has. Just thought that, you know, eventually the Alabamas and Ohio States of the world would say, we don't need you guys and we'll just move on. But, no, it's going to be the other way. It's going to be the NCAA just stepping on a landmine and blowing itself to pieces. Message from Bill. Richard, Brian, agree with your assessment that the Bill of Rights for College Athletics essentially will turn college athletics to professional. My oldest son played Division I baseball, and I'm sure he would have loved a lifetime scholarship. With that said, though, he knew the rules when he chose to go to school for his education while also being an athlete. To that end... I don't know of any college athlete that has ever been forced to play or participate. I don't disagree that some changes need to be made, but changing the landscape to include paying athletes for college sports will kill college athletics. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, if everybody's doing it, and just everybody will be doing it. It, it will <laughs> hurt it if, if we have this situation that you discussed with the you know states having different laws. But if it's a federal thing, then you know it'll be... It'll be fine. And, you know, people have have raised the idea of, well, okay, what if you went to, like, a semi-professional model and then the rest of college athletics was left to kind of look like it did in the 70s and the 80s? Yeah. Or the 60s and the 70s? Yeah. Well, that's fine, except for the fact that if a bill like the one that is being proposed comes into play, it's going to govern over all of college athletics. Yeah. 
for the most part, the programs that are were powerful in the 60s and 70s are still powerful today, too. It's not like there's been a huge – I mean, there's obviously a few – you know, you know, Clemson, maybe Florida State, and not, not exactly a powerful program now, but has been throughout the – Oregon. Oregon would be a good example. But for the most part, Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, they were all good then. So. Southern Cal. Yeah, no, Southern Cal was better. Yeah. Florida's better now than they were then. Florida's better now. Nebraska is not. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, if we're talking about the Oklahoma 60s, then and if we're talking now, the 60s, Ole Miss would be an example. So, yeah, you're right. Strange times in college athletics. And it is. Tom Hart from the SEC Network, ESPN, will join us for the college football fix coming up in just a bit. We'll ask Tom what it might look like from a broadcast standpoint. When we get to the start of college football, are you happy to kind of get his not here to not make fun of you about Tom Hart? Do what now? Are you happy that Borky's not here to not make fun of you about Tom Hart? What does he make fun of me for? Oh, yeah, he talks about how he's like the rich man's Richard Cross. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a time out and be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky's out today. We'll east in for Borky. Glad to have you along for the ride. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We welcome in Tom Hart from ESPN and the SEC Network. In a more normal world, he would be getting ready for three weeks from now, the uh, football season to begin on television. In uh, Instead, like everybody else, Tom, you're dealing with with a world of uncertainty. What's up, my man? Wait, hold on a second. You're not counting KBO this weekend? You're not going to get up at 3 a.m. on Saturday, watch Kiwoom and Lote on ESPN, get your get your Korean baseball organization fix? I'm kind of a Doosan Bears guy. If it had been Doosan, I would have gotten up early. But uh, Kiwa and uh, – is it Lote? I, I've been calling them the Lottie it's, Giants. It's Lote. It's Lote. Yeah, Okay. No, that's fair. My wife calls them the giant lattes, which is what I need to get up that early to be calling a baseball game from my basement. How has that been, by the way? Oh, it's been great. You know, uh, it's uh, better than nothing. Any port in the storm? I mean, you know, like, how am I supposed to answer that? It's live sports, man. We, we weren't getting a lot of these a while ago. I hope we have more. I hope there comes a day when I'm. Uh, with all due respect, the KBO stuff has been fun, um, and it's cool to watch just because I'm a baseball fan. But I hope there comes a day where I'm so busy with college football, they take me off that schedule. In fairness, getting your son Andrew on television during a college football Saturday night is not nearly as easy as when you're broadcasting from your basement. 
Yeah, we can kind of make it up as we go along. It's turned into like uh, sports talk television. Who are you going to have on? What are you going to talk about? How will you fill three hours of broadcast time when not only do you not know the players, but quite honestly, you may not know their names. And there are times, Richard, you'd love this. There are times where uh, I get up at 3 a.m. for a 5.30 start, and at 4.30 I'm told, oh, there's a rain out in Dijon. We're going to go to the game in Seoul, and 45 minutes before the game I'm preparing for an entirely different game. So sometimes <laughs> you got to make it up as you go along. Just, uh, just let it fly. On, on a slightly more serious note, what is your level of optimism right now about football actually happening on September 26th? I'm optimistic. I think that uh, this was an incredibly divisive week, um, and I also thought it was was a tipping point in many ways. You know, I I think that there are more hurdles to be cleared, but to make it out of this week with the trio of the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC intact, uh, I consider a victory. From what I understand, the Big 12, is, um, you know, they're the ones that are going to swing this one way or another. So so what are the other hurdles that need to be cleared? I think the next one will be once schools start having um, full contact practices and they can prove that full contact is, um, is just as safe as what they've been doing already in terms of being in camp and running drills and, and being with your teammates and being in the locker room then that's another hurdle that can be cleared. And then we get closer and closer to approving face-to-face contact between two different teams. Tom, I'm curious what you make of, of this tweet from Ross Dellinger uh, just a, a few minutes ago. He says, got a text from a group of five AD to sum up things nicely. The text said, does the fall proceed with only six FBS conferences playing football and no one else doing anything? That's where we are. And that's on the heels of the announcement coming from Mark Emmert because I guess he didn't have anything else to do, just went ahead and told us that there will be no fall championships of any sort in any sport. I'm not sure what Emmert said was a huge surprise. I mean, if reading the tea leaves, I thought we're going to get there eventually. And it goes back to what I was saying you know, back in late March, which is we know that football pays the bills. And if you can't keep the lights on, then how is anybody else going to find their way through the office? Um, And even talking with coaches at some of those sports, they were surprised at the time that they were allowed to get back on track and to schedule practices and team events at the time. So um, that's not really a huge surprise to me. Um, And if that's all we have, then then that's all we have. you know, I don't know. I don't know how else to read into that. I, I, what will be tricky, I think, from a Title IX perspective, is are we providing the same opportunities across the board? And if you're saying, well, there's going to be a winter or spring season for Sport X or Sport Y, then um, then you could move forward. Would be my assumption. In fact, that's what I'm hearing. The NCAA is going to say in terms of keeping the transfer portal shut. Um, Pac-12 and Big Ten football players is they're they're going to say this is this is all of what I'm hearing in back channels. Um, no, we're not going to apply uh, allow any blanket waivers or any immediate waivers for open transfers because we're still planning on having a sport within the academic year. 
that's all fine and good. And I, I you know, you kind of have to put yourself in other shoes. I know where they're coming from from that, and you know who's pushing them to make that those comments and take those stances. Yeah. But if I'm an athlete at Ohio State, Michigan, Purdue, Indiana, wherever, Oregon, Oregon State, and they say no, you can't open transfer because you're going to have a season come January, February, and that season doesn't occur, it sounds to me that the NCAA and or those conferences would be liable. We have been having kind of a series of big-picture conversations. Tom Hart from ESPN SEC Network on your radio on the Farm Bureau phone line. Conversations about whether or not this is kind of the point in time where the Power Five breaks away from the NCAA and says we don't need you you're not helping us anymore. Even though the, the NCAA is made of its member schools, we're, we're just more different than everybody else, and it's time to do something else. And then you get this story today from Sports Illustrated where we see members of Congress are, after Mark Emmert went to Congress and said, hey, we need your help. We need a uniform NIL bill, and we don't need states to be doing this willy-nilly. And Congress has just said, oh, sure. We'll help, but we're going to include a whole bunch of other stuff. And basically the stuff that they want to include is everything that presidents and people who actually believe in the idea of the student-athlete, everything they don't want is what's going to be included in this bill. Is this the point? I mean, could that be the tipping point where the, where the Power Five goes, what's the point of us being part of the NCAA anymore? Yeah, that is that is a great point. Um as you started that question, I was going to answer in the negative and say, well, how is the Power Five going to split away from the NCAA when the Power Five can't even agree on when they're going to have a football season? And it leads me to the next step that, that once we get out of this, a football commissioner is more needed than ever. I don't think you can have you know, a Churchill. I don't think there's room for a wartime commissioner just because you can't get anybody to agree on anything. But once we come out of the the stormy side and in the sunlight, people are going to say, all right, we need somebody who can lead all of college football as a group. It's too big an entity not to. My concern with your theory is that if the, if the Power Five tries to split away from the NCAA and, and as atrocious as the leadership is, there are benefits to being in a group that large, uh, even if they're hard to see sometimes. Uh, mainly the men's basketball tournament and, and other items, but um, would those same rules apply and same laws apply to the individual schools or conferences if they don't apply simply to the NCAA? Um, and I think that would be – I don't think you solve that one issue just by splitting off. I, I will say this. While I have questions as to the motivation as some of the politicians that are involved in this and, and all you got to do is look at some guys backgrounds as to where they came from and the importance of sports at their institutions um versus academics i would say that the the conferences individually and the ncaa as a whole has thoroughly lost the benefit of doubt on this subject i mean they have sat on their hands they have ignored True warning signs and red flags. They've kicked the. They fought it in court. Yeah, they've they've brought many of these problems upon themselves, and they just open the door. Anytime you open the door to get Congress involved in your business, then Congress is going to take advantage of your business. At least that's what history has shown us. 
Yeah, and, and we talked about this yesterday, and I don't want to drag you into a political discussion necessarily, but when you look at leagues that are playing football versus leagues that aren't playing football, it kind of lines up red state, blue state. And if you look at what's coming out of here, it's blue state senators and congressmen who are leading the way on these these sweeping changes. And I, it's like everything has become political. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I'm not saying, you know, Cory Booker played football at Stanford. I, I think yep. he knows the system. But Blumenthal, was, wasn't he the president of Yale? You know, so to me, it's what's in your background and, and what are you pushing for and what are your ideals? So there, there seems to be less representation on that bill from, uh, from folks who see the value of athletics and, and the revenue that it generates like we see throughout the SEC and in this part of the country. Good catching up, my friend. Appreciate your time. Hope we're doing football in six weeks. That would be awesome. And Tom Hart. Then, KBO, baby. <laughs> 3 a.m. Saturday morning, TV's <laughs> Tom Hart. Korean baseball. Tom joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Thanks, my friend. See you. See you, buddy. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. If you're a Grizzlies fan, here you go. A double, triple, double. It's pretty cool. You don't see that a ton. I don't know. I'm going to have to Google that one. Uh, Grizzlies about to knock off the Bucks, And John Morant finishes with 12 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. And Valenciunas with 26 points, 19 rebounds, and 12 assists. 35 assists on 44 made baskets for the Memgrizz. Not bad. Not bad at all. They go 2-6 and six in the bubble. But looks like that's going to be good enough. And now you just say go Brooklyn if you are a Grizz fan. So that you only got to win one more to get in the actual tournament. Okay. So evidently when you say double, triple, double, what that means is a player had 20-20-20. So we got to come up with a new reference here. But apparently, if I'm looking at this right, I mean, I'm not seeing anybody who's who's done this before. Two players with a triple-double in the same game? Oh, surely that's happened. Surely. There we go. Let's see. Oh, it's only happened this is from 2018. It's only it's happened 9 times in history. Okay. So it's not something that happens just every day. Do you do you want another last one? Give it to me. The Lakers. LeBron had 24, 12, and 11. This was in 2018. And Lonzo Ball had 16, 10, and 10. <laughs> was he well ever wearing was, big baller brand shoes? Yeah, no, he had to be. The first one ever was the Celtics. Kuzi and Tom Heinsohn. Kuzi had 24, 13, and 10. Heinsohn had 17, 13, and 10. Wow. Some, some big names on this list, as you might imagine. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. 
Magic, Bird. Who'd Jordan go double-double with? He and Pippen? Pippen, yes. But it's... It, <laughs> Jordan had 41 with 10 and 11. Pippen had 15, 10, and 12. Which is a pretty good night's work. Yeah, it's a great night. Jordan had 41. Mm. Uh, let's see. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Plus, the summer sales event going on right now. Great savings on the full lineup of SUVs at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Go test drive one today. A couple of things to get to. One of them is not great news for Mississippi State. Wide receiver Malik Heath was arrested on Wednesday. Arrest records from the Winston-Choctaw County Regional Correction Facility say that he was charged with DUI, driving without a driver's license, improper equipment, no insurance, and driving more than 20 miles uh, miles per hour over the speed limit. Booked in the afternoon at 429, released at 830 last night on $3,000 bond, Statement from Mike Leach, we're aware of the situation, gathering more information from proper authorities, and don't have further comment at this time. Heath, big wide receiver, 6'3", 215, out of Colin, signed with Mississippi State in the 2020 class, four-star receiver in junior college, according to 24-7 Sports, 17 games at Colin, 61 catches, 835 yards, seven touchdowns, and expected to be a pretty important part of the offense for Mississippi State this year. I would think so. You know, as a minor too, that's another interesting. Uh, uh, I don't know if nuance is the right word, but for, for this situation, so you know, he's underage. Athletes not having driver's license is like a thing. I don't know why why that happens, but it's 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 this is not the first time it's happened. Um, it's probably more of an expired license than not well, actually I mean. having yeah, one, yeah. right? Yeah, but it's like, how do you not? How do you not know? Um, what does improper equipment mean? Like the turn signal was broken. Yeah, it might have had a headlight out or something. Which at four thirty had I guess it must be turn signal. Turn signal's probably a better deal at four thirty, yeah. I and I'm not I'm not making this I mean, guys make mistakes all the time. It happens. Right. It, right, right, right. it happens. But is pulled over at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday with DUI concerning? A little. A little, but of course, like I said, he being a minor, it, 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 the 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 legal limit for that. But is anything so over point eight, point uh, oh eight, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, he could have just had a beer and and, and been in trouble there. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, DUI is not a good look ever. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a. Uh, yeah, it's a poor decision. Get arrested for sure. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what happens for for two reasons. One, Leach, you know, has a pretty good re- reputation as a disciplinarian. Um, but you would think this is what I, I was thinking about earlier today. Normally, okay, he's going to be suspended for one game. That's what happened last year with Jace Chrisman, happened with Anthony Dixon back in Mullins' first year. You know, but those first games are usually against Patsies. What if your first game is against Auburn or, you know, Kentucky? You know, we don't know when those games are going to be. I wonder if there'll be suspension for this. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. A little bit of trouble in paradise down in Tallahassee, perhaps. 
Florida State wide receiver Warren Thompson has put the football program's handling of COVID-19 under a microscope thanks to a social media post on Twitter. Says that he's been lied to multiple times about player health during the first week of camp. Said being a student athlete is difficult during this time and the proper leadership regarding these problems does not exist. During this entire week of camp, I have been lied to multiple times about the conditions of other players' health as well as mine. It has been shown to myself and the rest that our leadership is based off an I mentality with them only worried about their own future rather than their own athletes. I've been ridiculed about speaking up regarding this issue, and it needs to be addressed for myself to safely continue the season. I myself am an introvert, meaning my days go from being at the football facilities to being back home day by day. I've done my best to take the proper precautions for myself and my teammates to try and ensure a healthy environment during these radical times. I want to play for Florida State University and have a great season for myself and our supporters. The lies from our leaders have backed myself into a corner, putting my overall well-being in jeopardy. The neglect to respond to this issue is very concerning, and why I've drawn attention to it. I've put 1,000% into this team in my own craft. I've got too much to prove to the world that this problem is growing greater, potentially preventing that from happening because I've spoken up. And he signs it, Warren J. Not great. Norvell, this is twice now, right, that they've had some communication issues at Florida State. You remember back, um, I, I, I don't, I think it was maybe right, right after George, the George Floyd uh, death. I, I don't, I, there's a word I didn't want to use there. Uh, that they, there were some issues with the communication as, as far as you know the Black Lives Matter program and his players, and this is twice now. You know, and Norvell was a guy. You know, when he was at Memphis, we all thought, well, he's a lock for this job. Thought he might be a, a big candidate for Ole Miss. Thought he might be a big candidate at Arkansas, and it never really materialized. And it makes you wonder now if there was, there was a reason for that. Um, Norvell says he's had conversations individually with three different players, a couple of others that are mentioned in the story, and that's part of the reason that he was especially surprised by Thompson's statement said he doesn't know what lies or deception Thompson was referring to in his statement and said those are conversations that obviously, like I said, disappointed to what I've heard that was said. At the end of the day, there will be follow-up conversations to get a better understanding. Hmm. Just, just a lot going on there with Norvell. I just, I don't know. How concerning is that if you're a Florida State fan? That you had the the issue with Marvin Marvin Wilson. Marvin Wilson, where Norvell said, Look, we've talked to all the players, and Marvin Wilson came out saying, No, you haven't. You didn't talk to us all. Right. Don't characterize it that you're lying. And now you've got another player come out that comes out and says he has been lied to by the coaching staff about the health of him, himself and his teammates about his own health and the health of his teammates. It's concerning, I would think. You know, I, I, the, the problem is that, you know, being a new head coach, people, there's still a lot of shine on him. So this isn't, you know, if this was Willie Taggart, my gosh, they would they would legitimately be pitchforks and torches outside the office now. So yeah. it's not good. I mean, however you look at it, the, one of our favorite words, the optics aren't good. 
Well, and goodness gracious. I mean, Mike Tor- and, uh, everybody's like this, but Mike Norvell's got to be in the spot. Like, can we just get to a spot where we're playing some games? Just wants to play a game more than anybody, yeah. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. More coming up. We will be right back. to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. One more note on the Grizzlies' win over the Bucks in the bubble in Orlando. Memphis secures a spot in the play-in game, which... Yeah, whatever. But in winning today, they also officially snapped the San Antonio Spurs' 22-year postseason appearance streak. 22 consecutive years. San Antonio Spurs have been in the postseason. That comes to an end. Just need Brooklyn to win tonight. Trailblazers will be out. Hmm. Mentioned it earlier, the St. Louis Cardinals, who have not played a game since July 30th, we are now on August 13th, and had another Cardinal staffer test positive for COVID-19, will return to action Saturday with a doubleheader in Chicago against the White Sox. As a precaution, the team is asking all players to drive rental cars individually from St. Louis to Chicago. God. Before the most recent positive test, the Cardinals had two straight days of negative test results. Cardinals have now had ten players and eight staff members test positive for the coronavirus. They are asking every player to drive by themselves in a rental car from St. Louis to Chicago. How far a drive is that? What, three or four hours? Let's see. Four hours and 30 minutes. Four and a half hour drive. You think he'll caravan with a police escort? That's what I was asking. Can we get it like Hoosiers? It's got, you know, <laughs> got got the, the, the banners on the outside. Here come the Cardinals. So obviously they're trying to not have the players via a bus or a plane contaminate any other players. But they're going to the same place. They're going to be using the same locker room. There's some overkill to this, it feels like. It's insane. Hmm. (laughs) I don't know if that works or not, but it's interesting. I saw this story, and I don't know why this popped into my head. So, Zion Williamson... Pelicans not going anywhere in the playoffs. And Zion says it's time to turn the page to next season and focus on getting better with his game and his body. I'll talk to my coaches and see what I need to do to get better from their point of view. Talk to my player development coaches as well. See what I need to do 
better from their point of view, just work on every part of my game, work on getting my body where it needs to be. And that's feel you. That, that's always been a debate for Zion. He's listed at 285 pounds. Borky was telling us how light he looked on his feet when he was back. Uh, Williamson says, everybody is entitled to their own opinion, but I'm going to stick to the opinions of the people closest to me and my team and just go from there in terms of where he should be. Played 24 games this year. 22.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 2 assists, shot 58% from the field. 40 or so percent from 3. He's going to be a star. He's got a smile that just goes for days. going to be a star but here's and the deep. an endorsement darling. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why my mind works the way that it does sometimes. I thought, I wonder if we'll call Body by Jake to figure out how to get in shape in the offseason. <laughs> and then I, rem- I started going down that road. I was like, hold on. Body by Jake? Where did that come from? Do you remember Body by Jake? Yes. Will, do you remember that? I do. The uh, Jake was it uh the bodybuilder guy, the uh Yes. I, I can't remember. He was on he was on some T V show. I can't remember. Well he was on all those he, infomercials back in the day. But he had a t- yes. he had a, like a sitcom that lasted like two years. He was also in Coming to America. Oh, he was in Coming to America. Yeah, we can't repeat his one his one of his lines, <laughs> but, you know. He was in the movie. Made his film debut in 1979 in Americathon. Had the lead role of the killer in the early slasher film Home Sweet Home. I had no idea. Also participated, had film roles in Cheech and Chong's next movie, Into the Night, The Money Pit, Coming to America. I love The Money Pit. He supplied the voice of the lab rat Git in the Disney animated feature Ratatouille. And as the fish seller in the 2011 English version of From Up on Poppy Hill. <laughs> a classic. Just so you know. Remember Looks the TV like show, Lyle though? Alzado's twin brother. I'm, Big I'm... brother Jake, Will, is the show you were trying to come yes. up with. Yes. TV credits Jake? include King of the Hill. What? <laughs> Jake Steinfeld. Was it just infomercials, or did he have a little... You remember when... They may have had the the old ESPN in the morning with her and Denise. That's exactly what I was about to say. You remember the morning programming. And the the Gil, whatever his name was. was The the morning workout shows on ESPN. Yeah. Where they had the exercise mats like out on yeah. the edge of the beach? On the beach, yeah. It looked, it looked glamorous. Made you want yeah. to exercise. It's all, it's all a lie, just so you know. What? That exercise is glamorous. You still doing your hot yoga? I haven't in a while. You, you gave up on your, your sweaty well, wrestler I, hot yoga? <laughs> I didn't. It's not that I've given up on it. Just got bored with it? No, I just I HIPAA prevents me from discussing some things on this show every now and then, you know. HIPAA it, 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 HIPAA you, protects you. It doesn't keep you from talking about your own self. If you don't well, want to talk about it, that's fine. I don't want to talk about it. Did you so. throw your HIPAA out? Is that what happened? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what mainstream workout guru would you send Zion to? I would send him to DDP. 
Would you? Go do the go do the yoga, yeah. I tried to get Kylan Hill on that. I don't know if it worked out or not. Kylan Hill was asking about yoga on Twitter one day, so I tagged DDP. I was like, talk to this man. Did Kylan come to you for more information? He did not, no. And I don't know that he, he got got up with DDP. But said, so, Brian, tried, you look like a guy him. that would know all about yoga. Tell me more. <laughs> I know all about I know all about being fit. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Want double the data for the same dang price? Now prepaid by Ceasefire plans get double the high-speed data through the end of the year? No bull, just better wireless. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash prepaid. 601-879-4395 is the number, 601-879-4395. Mike in Oxford suggests that uh, he would send Zion to Richard Simmons as a workout guru. That guy's I don't know if you're aware that he's like gone missing. There's like a long podcast about trying to find him. Really? Yeah. <coughs> where do they think he is? That nobody knows. It's like one of those situations where his the manager or whatever, the person yeah. the assistant, whatever's kind of taken over all aspects yeah. of his life. Yeah. Kind of a case in case situation. His, including his shorty shorts. <laughs> I don't know if the shorty that, that shorts. I don't know about. Zion Williamson is going to be sweating with the oldies. Uh, Richard and Wiggins says, get in shape, girl. I don't know what that is. What about the, the people that were proponents of shake weight? <laughs> <laughs> I always think about what, what it, For God's sakes, get a screen cap of what just happened. I'm trying to save the Stop video it. right now. Stop it. <laughs> we need that. I need it. Saved. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> that's not happening. Shake weight. I always think about that South Park uh, of episode when I think about shake weight. So. David Monticello says unless he's gone missing again, they found him several months ago. Oh, did they? That's good news there. Good. Richard in Grenada asks a reasonable question. He says, why doesn't MLB put a COVID player on the disabled list, call up a replacement, and keep playing? Why shut it down for two weeks? Well, it's kind of what they did with the uh, Marlins. The Marlins, yeah. I don't know why the Cardinals didn't go that route. Maybe because they've got the best fans in baseball. Something like that. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the idea that they're going to put each Cardinal baseball player in an in a rented automobile and... They're going to have them drive individually from St. Louis to Chicago for a series of the White Sox that starts on Saturday. 30, 30 rental cars just coming out of the uh, out of Enterprise there. That's, the rookies have to take budget rent a car. I don't know. Are they going to let them go on their – again, I need to know more about this. Is it going to be like that's, a caravan? Like, and not only that's like, how are you monitoring them? Who, how do you know who doesn't stop for a donut? Isn't that the whole point? They'll probably load all the rental cars up with snacks and waters before they leave and like a big jug so that nobody has to make any stops. (laughs) But you can't risk it. (laughs) Why is there an empty two-liter bottle in here? Oh, no reason. (laughs) I mean, you can't run the risk of pulling off in Moline, Illinois to go to the restroom. Who knows? Or is it Moline? Play a golf tournament there. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm.
We'll be right back. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. Fantastic. Story popped up yesterday. We didn't get to it. The NBA and the NBA Players Association negotiated terms on who could enter the bubble. Oh, yeah. You know, we are transitioning from nobody other than players and essential personnel into family and friends can join in the bubble. The negotiated terms preclude players from hosting guests who would be deemed as wholly casual in nature including, quote, known by the player only through social media or an intermediary. Uh, I'm sorry, intermediary, close quote. No Instagram models is what they're saying. This girl's been DMing me for months. I know her pretty well. Those without an established pre-existing personal and known relationship won't be allowed into the bubble where each second-round playoff team has been allocated 17 hotel rooms for guests. The earliest that guests could clear the quarantine process and join players is August 31st. One general manager told ESPN the issue of casual acquaintances could create problems within your team and maybe someone else's too. (laughs) And has been a significant topic of discussion among organizations hoping to minimize internal drama as the playoffs unfold. That could mean a lot of things that are probably not appropriate for the Sports Talk Mississippi audience at 555 on a Thursday. No. George Norrie decides to unpack this at 1 a.m. It's probably a different audience. It might be okay. <laughs> a different situation there. Tune in. Do we still have George Norrie? You're dang right. Okay. Most popular radio show in America. Is it? Yes. They Here's how popular it is. They don't know how many stations it's carried on. It's like 800 stations. Hmm. We'll get there. No, probably not. Yeah. 800 is a lot. Over here. Probably thinks college football is going to get canceled, too. No, I don't, I don't think so. Hope not. Certainly hope not. What's on the menu for this weekend? Hey, Dad, I know you've already planned it. I have. I did my shopping today. Uh, I'm doing tacos uh, with uh, some beef cheeks. Doing the beef cheeks on the grill? Yeah. <laughs> you knew that question was coming. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about it. Yeah, yeah. this is a Malcolm Reed uh, special on this one, yeah. And when I went today, uh, Starville has a, a little Mexican grocery. I'd never been in mm-hmm. it, and I went there to buy some tortillas and some other stuff. And I told yeah. the, the nice lady working the counter I was doing beef cheeks. She was very excited. She said that's very authentic. So I need to go nice. eat there. They have they have tacos and stuff they make there. The menu looked really good. So soft tacos? 
I'm assuming since you get tortillas. Yeah. You don't like crunchy tacos? Crunchy tacos are not tacos. Why? It's for kids. And you just eat nachos at that point. A real taco is, is on a soft tortilla. You know what I like? I like crunchy tacos that have got the flat bottom shells that don't fall over when you load them up. That is the way to go. I mean, you can do that. Yeah, I mean, you can say whatever you want about what's real and what's not real, but I'm here I to will. tell you that uh, we've, we've gone to just about once a week taco night, not necessarily Taco Tuesdays. It seems to be Taco Mondays and Mexican Mondays. Whatever. Yeah. Although you said it's not actually Mexican and it's not actually taco because I'm eating a crunchy shell, but I don't really I mean, care what you think. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't judge you for eating Stouffer's lasagna. Why should you judge me for what kind of taco me. shell I use? He doesn't judge me, this guy. You're not grilling out this weekend? Why don't you just, just jump off a building? Look, I mean, I can't be mad at you. Stouffer's is pretty darn good. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to come into your house and cook this lasagna, and then you'll never buy Stouffer's again. Mm. Can you do it on the grill if you come to my house? I could not. Do you not own an oven? Uh, yes. Okay, then. We're, we're good. We, we do we do own an oven. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. It's all on. Two that, of them, actually. Oh, man. Now, now we're two, talking. Two, uh, one, one on top of the other. It's great. It's fantastic. Sounds great. You got stove top where I can, you know, do the sauce? Yes. I mean, you think I just, like, don't have a stove? I don't know what you have, Richard. I'm trying not to judge you, though. Yeah. We'll we'll cook top there. All right, then. Gas, even. Ooh. Not electric. Gas. I don't have that kind of cross money. Oh, zip it. Come on, man. We will, uh... It will be interesting to see what kind of news breaks between now and tomorrow. We certainly will bring all of it to you with Will East spinning the records once again. I don't know why I just love the idea of thinking about you spinning a turntable for our bump music, Will. Zip, 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 zip. I don't even know how to work a turntable. I just hit the Do you think there's any chance, hey, Dad, we get the SEC schedule with dates tomorrow? Fingers crossed. Well, that'd make me happy as a lark. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi, we will talk to you tomorrow at 3. Good night. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.